And here we go, everybody. Another edition of Jamal About Sports coming to you on a Monday, November 4th, 2019. Kicking off the show, a little Magic Man by Heart. As always, I'm your host, Jamal Hayden. We've got a big Football Monday show here to get to. We've also got uh, some NBA as the uh, the Knicks <laughs> troubles continue. And the Mets have a new manager. Of course, not the one they should have hired. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. And we've also got some college football. But we kick off with another disappointing week for the Detroit Lions. Uh, I played Magic Man because uh, it should have been a happy show. Should have been talking about how Matthew Stafford once again worked his magic for another fourth quarter comeback. Um, But uh, it was not to be. Uh, Some horrible coaching decisions. Um, Matt Patricia, the Lions head coach, who's supposed to be some sort of defensive guru and genius, uh, has this Lions defense playing about as badly as any defense in the league. Um, And it all added up to a 31-24 defeat to a, I would say, mediocre Raiders team. Now, I think I said last week, I did not think this was an easy win. A lot of people uh, in the Lions Twitterverse, for some reason, seem to think that this was going to be an easy win. I think I said I watched the Raiders last week against Houston. And while they're certainly a flawed team and definitely beatable, there, there is some talent there. Uh, Josh Jacobs, a running back, certainly first and foremost among them, who another running back who carved the Lions defense up yesterday. Um, they've got some decent receivers. They've got the good tight end in Waller. Uh, Carr's a good quarterback. I've always liked him. Uh, he's not elite, but he's he's better than most. You know, he's 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 not. Uh, you know, this is not Sam Darnold. This is not uh, Ryan Tannehill or um, you know some of the other bad quarterbacks in the league. So I didn't think it would be easy, but certainly a winnable game. The Raiders' defense is not particularly good. Uh, matched up well for the Lions. Thought they'd be able to throw the ball successfully. They did. Um, Stafford was great again, despite the ridiculous one-handed uh, interception uh, against them in the end zone that was one of those plays where you just have to tip your cap. Now, look, it wasn't a great throw. He's got to get that ball up higher and give Galladay a better chance to go up and get it. But, you know, God forbid the defense don't let the Raiders go right down the field after the interception score. God forbid they get a three and out and help their quarterback. And, of course, the fumble on the first drive of the game by McKissick on the botched handoff from Stafford when the Lions are moving right down the field, the opening drive of the game. So, you know. You want to get on Stafford for that interception? Go right ahead. If you think again, anybody who thinks Matthew Stafford's a problem with the lines doesn't know a thing about football. He's the only reason they're even remotely watchable. So where do we start? Well, we could start at the end, which was the most idiotic fourth and goal play call ever, except for maybe in the Super Bowl when Seattle had the ball. At the goal line, at the one foot line, and decided to throw the ball for a game and Super Bowl losing interception. And why do I bring that play up? Oh, because who was the offensive coordinator for Seattle at the time? A one Daryl Bevel. Who's the offensive coordinator for the Lions right now? A one Daryl Bevel. And look, to be fair to Bevel, Stafford has taken his offense like a, a fish to water. He has been great, and it's been very creative, and they brought the deep ball back, and Bevel's done some good things. It's a lot more creative offense. You saw the tight end screen. They had a great series where they scored to tie it at 24-24, where 
Uh, you had a tight end screen to Hawkinson that got about 23 yards. You had a reverse play to, to Marvin Hall on first down that got him eight yards. And then you had the touchdown to McKissick out of the backfield where they got him singled up one-on-one against a linebacker. And it was an easy catch, pitch and catch for the touchdown to tie the game. So I don't want to kill Bevel overall. He's actually done a pretty good job this year. He's been much better than Jim Bob Cooter. But, of course, as is the Lions want, when it really mattered yesterday, which was fourth and one, or fourth and goal from the one-yard line with a chance to tie the game with a touchdown, and the Raiders in panic mode, they called a timeout. The Lions were out of timeouts. Because, by the way, the Lions were out of timeouts because, yet again, under Matt Patricia, a hallmark of a Matt Patricia coach team is being disorganized on defense. Again, that's supposed to be his stock and trade. Disorganized on defense and having to burn a timeout early in the third quarter yesterday. Because they were going to get called for 12 men on the field. This guy's a genius, everybody. Mm-hmm. Same guy decided to call timeout when the Lions are going to seal the game against Arizona in week one. Because he didn't trust his 10-year veteran quarterback to get the playoff in time. So, the Raiders call timeout. Give the Lions, unfortunately, too much time to think. So, rather than spread the Raiders out with Kenny Galladay, 6'4", 220, great at getting 50-50 balls. Marvin Jones, 6'2", 200 pounds, great at getting 50-50 balls. Amendola, a shifty slot receiver. And okay, I understand TJ Hawkinson was hurt. Uh, on that drive, so you couldn't put him in the game there. He was being checked for a concussion. So how about Jesse James, who you signed for $26 million in the offseason, who's 6'6". Could you maybe want to try to use him in the in the red zone? Or even Logan Thomas, who's also 6'6", who they ended up trying to go to for the last play. What you don't do is what the Lions did, which is come in with your heavy package, three tight, two tight ends, a fullback, and an extra offensive lineman, and what? The Raiders thought the Lions were going to run the ball? The Lions can't run the ball all day. They had a couple of decent runs here and there, but the whole world knows the Lions are not a running team. On fourth down, certainly the Raiders knew that the Lions were not going to try to run the ball in there. I mean, it's beyond idiotic. So you put the ball in your best player's hands, Stafford, and let him go to work. And if he throws a 50-50 ball up to Galladay and makes a bad throw or the Raiders defensive back makes a great play, you tip your cap. Or you say, step, you know, you can live with that. But to go to a play-action pass and throw to your third-string tight end, Logan Thomas, and give Stafford and make him turn his back to the defense and then roll to his left when he's a right-handed quarterback, I mean, the play is idiotic on a million different levels. Let's start with number one. Play action wasn't fooling anybody there. Let's start with number two. You're taking your best players off the field. Gallaudet and Marvin Jones, other than Stafford, are your two best weapons. Why would you take them off the field the most important time of the game and, frankly, the season? Your season is on the line. Every other team in the division lost yesterday. It's ridiculous. So that's number two. And then in number three, the play design itself is absurd. What are you rolling Stafford out to his left for? He's completely rushed. He's got a fake right and then roll back left. 
play took way too long to develop. The Raiders weren't fooled for one second. Jesse James was actually the first option. He got completely caught up, couldn't even get a clean release off the line of scrimmage. And Stafford still almost made it work, by the way. If Logan Logan Thomas had a chance to catch that ball, hit him in his hands. What a great throw. Wasn't perfectly placed. But you know what? Could anybody help this guy out, please? I watch guy. You watch guys on the on the Packers make ridiculous catches for Rodgers constantly. Can Stafford ever get that, please? And look, Galladay has done it. Marvin Jones has done it. That's true. They do it occasionally, but they weren't on the field somehow, inexplicably. Ridiculous. So the Lions lose another game that they probably should have won. And of course, prior to that. After the Lions decided to punt um, on 4th and 10 from the 39-yard line. And of course, oh no, no, sorry, that was a different point in the game. Um, After the Lions scored the touchdown to tie it, the Raiders came right down the field and scored again. Except for the fact that Tavon Wilson had about the most gift-wrapped interception you could possibly ever be given when it clanged off the Raiders running back's hands and gently floated between the three and the two on Tavon Wilson's jersey. And, of course, he dropped it. Would have would have set the lines up. If he stays on his feet, he might have returned it for a pick six. At, at the very least, he's, the lines are going to probably get good field position. At worst, if he intercepts it and just goes to the ground, the lines are at least going to keep the Raiders out of the end zone, and they're going to start with the ball. Okay, great. Uh, granted, not great field position at the 10-yard line, but Stafford was rolling all day. I, I don't care if the line started at the 1. By the way, I remember 2011, for those of you who are still old enough to remember, Stafford took the line's 98 yards against the Raiders in 2011 down the field for a game-winning score. Uh, that place doesn't bother him at all, and he played great again yesterday. 400 yards, three touchdowns. Yes, he had the one interception. Your quarterback throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns, he should win the game. Particularly when your head coach is supposed to be Mr. Defense. And by the way, I'm glad the Lions traded Quandre Diggs because they love Tavon Wilson so much. And when Tavon Wilson had a chance to make a play yesterday, didn't make it. And they love this Will Harris who they drafted out of BC in the third round. Uh, I don't see it. I watched one of his games last year when he was at BC against Clemson. This guy's not any good. He wasn't even good in college. He's a good special teams player. That's about it. So I missed a ton of tackles around the line of scrimmage on blitzes against the run, and he can't cover anybody. And this is why they decided to trade Quandre Diggs. Because he got he had a bad he had a slow start to the year. And they love Tavon Wilson and Chris and Will Harris, both of whom made plays to cost the Lions the game yesterday. Which brings me to my next point, which is the Lions linebackers, which are the worst in the NFL, and it's not even close. You start with the middle linebacker, Jared Davis, who is an absolute atrocity. The guy does nothing. He has terrible instincts, can't diagnose plays, can't get off blocks, can't cover. The only thing he's good at occasionally is blitzing. Occasionally. And he's not even great at that. He's okay at that. That's it. Christian Jones, who I don't even know what he's doing back on the team this year after last year's largely non-existent season. But not only is he still on the team and starting, and the Lions keep miscasting him as some sort of a coverage linebacker where he couldn't cover me. 
Not only that, but they compound the problem. Bob Quinn, the Lions general manager, announced that they signed him to a two-year contract extension. Graham Glasgow, the starting right guard, who has to get subbed out for Kenny Wiggins, who's one of the worst offensive linemen in the league, but he's good buddies with Jeff Davidson, the Lions offensive line coach, so he gets to play, is one of the highest graded linemen in the league and is up for a contract extension. Him they don't extend, but Christian Jones they will extend. It's ridiculous. And look, I don't put a ton of stock in pro football focus, okay? I think it's largely a marketing tool, right? The Lions beat writers lazily refer to it as if it's the Bible truth and the best way to tell whether somebody's effective or not. The best way to tell, guys, is watch the freaking games. So I don't need pro football focus to tell me that Jared Davis is not any good, but even they said he was the worst-ranked linebacker in the NFL yesterday. And it's not hard to see why. The guy does nothing. Christian Jones is atrocious. Jelani Tavai, the ridiculous second-round pick who was drafted three rounds too early by I'm smarter than everybody, Bob Quinn, does nothing. And Devin Kennard, by the way, also pretty much non-existent. I mean, he's kind of a hybrid defensive end outside linebacker, but technically he's listed as a linebacker. So when the Lions are in a 3-4, those are their four linebackers. They're all awful. Awful. Devin Kennard's the best one of the group. He occasionally could get you a sack if the line secondary holds up and covers for about five seconds because he does work hard. He gives you good effort, but he's he's physically just not that gifted. He's not explosive. He's not particularly fast. He's a hard-working, blue-collar player. You could live with a guy like that on your team if the rest of the linebackers were athletic and fast and made plays, but they don't. They're really bad. It's impossible to be a good run defense when your middle linebacker is as bad as Jared Davis. It's just it's simple math, folks. And Snacks Harrison, who's had a bad year this year, he actually played okay yesterday. He was not the problem. And then the secondary, which got off to a very good start, has been garbage the last three games. Garbage. Awful against Minnesota. Awful last week against Daniel Jones, rookie quarterback in the Giants. And terrible again yesterday. Justin Coleman, who looked great early, has been nothing short of awful since he dropped the game-sealing interception against the Chiefs. Terrible again yesterday. Got lost in the end zone against Hunter Renfro for the game-winning, which proved to be the game-winning touchdown for the Raiders. Melvin made a couple of nice plays, but also gave up a couple of big plays. And the safeties don't do anything. They do nothing. No Tracy Walker yesterday. He got hurt last week against the Giants. As I said, they traded their other starting safety, Quandre Diggs, for uh, uh, a, a jugs gun and a, and a couple of uh, special teams footballs, otherwise known as a fifth-round pick, to Seattle. They have no pass rush. They rush three more than any team in the league. They think, Matt Patricia thinks it's wise to give the opposing team's quarterback as much time as humanly possible to sit back there, survey the field, have a cup of coffee, eat a sandwich, have some tea and crumpets. Oh, and then let me go pick out a receiver. It's ridiculous. I think Derek Carr's pretty good, but he's, and like most quarterbacks, but he's one of them. Even more so, if you if you heat him up, 
If you get the feet moving, you get him unsure, he will crumble. He will make mistakes. Lions did none of that yesterday. None. Awful. Awful game plan. Lions haven't adjusted at all this year. Paul Pascaloni, who's about 90, has no business being the defensive coordinator, but because he's Matt Patricia's buddy, because he gave Matt Patricia his first job 30 years ago, that's the defensive coordinator. Kenny Wiggins, as I mentioned earlier, has no business being on this team, let alone starting. Well, he had to start yesterday because Glasgow was hurt, but he's no business on a team. He has no business being subbed in routinely throughout the course of the game for whatever reason for the Lions probably best or second best lineman in Graham Glasgow but his friends he's good buddies with Jeff Davidson from when they were both in San Diego together so he gets to play and the Lions love Jared Davis's uh attitude so he gets to play all the time where I'm sorry where's the cold calculating we only make decisions based on who can help us win or lose mantra of the patriot way where is that here in detroit because of what it seems like to me it's a bunch of cronyism and nepotism garbage that's what it seems like these decisions do not seem to be made with winning in mind they seem to be made about currying favor with certain players and or coaches it's an embarrassment And get ready for Darius Slay to not be on the team next year either. He was very vocal about Quandre Diggs getting traded. And he said something yesterday. Basically, basically it was an indictment of Patricia and the entire defensive coaching staff. Where he said, listen, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe we're just not putting the, position, the, the pieces in the right positions. And he came back, by the way, yesterday and played Grammy. The Raiders barely even threw at him because they knew better. So, and there's all the apologists out there, the Bob Quinn apologists and the Patricia apologists. So you have to give them more time. Look, again, Bob Quinn was given manna from heaven. He inherited a team with an elite franchise quarterback, and he's pissed it away. He's done nothing. He hasn't improved this team one iota since when, from where he found it. Not one. In fact, they're regressing. They're getting worse. And Patricia... Again, I mean, he's supposed to be Mr. Attention to Detail. He's, I mean, the Lions, commit, again, having to call timeouts because they're disorganized. They have too many men on the field. Calling the timeout before they ran a play against Arizona. His clock management in general is not very good. And then again, he's supposed to be Mr. X's and O's, this great defensive guru. Defense is atrocious. Atrocious. Can't ever get off the field when they need to stop. And early in the year, they got some turnovers, so that was able to sort of cover up the fact that they can't stop anybody. I mean, that Chiefs game, the Chiefs went up and down the field against them all day long, but the Lions forced some turnovers in that game. So that saved them. And the shame of it is, again, I mean, Stafford right now, we're eight games into the year, so we're halfway through. He's on pace for just close, just under 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. Would you take that? I think I'd take that for and, and like you know and a, a very good completion percentage. And he's take you know and, he, and he's pressing the ball down the field. I mean, he had 59 yard touchdown to Galladay yesterday, 42 car, 42 yard completion to Marvin Jones. 
I mean, this is not a dink and dunk offense. And again, I give Bevel credit for that. But again, in the biggest part of the game, the game on the line, Bevel choked again. I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it. He did it four years ago in the Super Bowl when he was the Seattle's offense coordinator, and he did it again yesterday. It's just awful. I mean, what the hell would you come in with your heavy set as if the Raiders think you're going to run the ball? It's ridiculous. You take your two best players other than Stafford off the field at the most critical juncture of the game. It's insanity. It's insanity. It's outthinking yourself. It's panic. I don't know. I mean, it's a million different things. It's just, it's classic Lions. It really, at the end of the day, is what it is. You know, remember that game of a bunch of years ago where Stafford uh, called basically an audible and took the snap and d- jumped over uh, the goal line from the one against the Cowboys? That crazy comeback. I mean, that that's what that's what we needed yesterday. But he was too far out, I guess. And of course, on the play right before that, Logan Thomas, of course, couldn't get in. Stafford hit him with a pass from the 14-yard line, and of course, he got 13 yards. I mean, it's just it's just classic. You know, it's like Golden Tate being ruled down by half a, a foot against the Falcons a few years back when Caldwell was the coach. So, look, that's it. Season over. Lines are done. They had to win yesterday. You know, and of course, again, all the people are, oh, well, they got Chicago this week. Oh, Chicago stinks. Yeah, look, we'll get to the other games in a second. Chicago's offense in particular has been awful the last few weeks. Mitch Trubisky has regressed tremendously. Not that he was ever that good to begin with. But that game's in Chicago. I mean, again, Chicago's looking at that game saying, this is going to save our season. We got to beat, you know, we got the Lions at home. Lions aren't any good. They're 3-4-1. And, and they've lost four out of their last five games. So, that's no easy task going into Chicago next week. Then they've got Dallas at home. I mean, you think Ezekiel Elliott's going to run roughshod over the lines? Yeah, probably. And then they've got uh, Washington. I mean, all three games are theoretically winnable, but they're not going to win them all. And then they're going to have Chicago at home on Thanksgiving. But again, I mean, Lions could still, first of all, the Lions now with eight games left have to win seven of them just to get to 10 wins. And 10 wins might not even get you in the playoffs. So, season over. And then the question becomes, at what point, I mean, look, Martha, Martha Firestone Ford is 94 years old. Um, she wants to, you know, I, I, I've seen her. She said publicly she wants to win a Super Bowl in the worst way. Well, I mean, at what point do you, you keep waiting around here? You know, Bob Quinn's been here, what, four years now? Three years? Four years? Obviously, this is only Patricia's second year. But let's just say for argument's sake here, the Lions go 4-4 four and four in the second half of the season. Right? I think that's reasonable. There's some games on there that are, that they that they should probably win because they have the quarterback. So they should beat Washington. They should probably beat Tampa Bay. They could beat Denver. Maybe they beat the Bears on Thanksgiving. There's your four wins. So they go seven, eight, and one and miss the playoffs after a six and ten campaign last year. 
I mean, is that that's enough to you're going to say that that's progress when you should have been three and zero to start this year, but because of bad coaching in the first game, you you, you ended up in a tie. And bad coaching yesterday cost you a chance to send that game into overtime. I mean, you know, and again, the Lions do everything all wrong too, right? They brought Bob Quinn in here and kept the coach and let him keep Caldwell. Then he got rid of Caldwell because nine and seven wasn't good enough. Nine and seven looking pretty good right now, isn't it, Bob Quinn? Your guy, Matty P. And look, I'll say this at least for Patricia. I mean, I, I found him extremely unlikable and distasteful last year. Um, he's toned his act down a lot this year. Although for a guy who's supposedly a genius, he he's incoherent. His his explanation for that goal line play says something along the line, paraphrasing here, but we, 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 we thought we had a play in there that was really influential. What? What are you? How about a play that you think might work? Influential? What are you talking about? He's incoherent half the time. But apparently, he's made some adjustments. He's toned down some of his shtick and his rhetoric, and he's made a, a more of an effort to 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 get to know the players and embrace some of the players. So he's not quite as unlikable as he was last year. But you know what? I don't, I don't really care. I, I, I want results. And we're not getting results. So, and you know, now we just keep getting the same platitudes over and over again now, right? Got to coach it better. Fundamentals. I mean, he's starting to sound an awful, like, an awful lot like Rod Marinelli, frankly. And again, I'm sure. Look, Patricia's probably one of these guys who's not cut out to be a head coach. He's probably, you know, I guess he was a good defensive coordinator with New England. I guess. I mean, the same New England team that gave up, what, 50 points in the Super Bowl to the Eagles or whatever it was, 48 points or whatever. Should have lost to the Atlanta. Atlanta was doing whatever they wanted to the Patriots on, on defense that game until Kyle Shanahan decided to take his foot off the gas. But, you know, again, most of the guys that come from the Patriots, quote-unquote, Belichick, quote, coaching tree, have all spectacularly flamed out. The only one who's had any success at all is Bill O'Brien. That's it. But he went and was at least a head coach somewhere before. He was a head coach at Penn State. Patricia was never a head coach anywhere until he came to the lines. Another guy with the training wheels. Because he's Bob Quinn's buddy. Because they both worked there in New England. And Bob Quinn, by the way, uh, you know, the fact that he runs and hides during the season, I, I, I find to be ridiculous. I mean, you put this mess together, Bob. How about you, you, you stand to account for this? You know, he claims it's because, you know, he doesn't, doesn't want to be a distraction. Um, you know, I think it's a lot of baloney. All right, moving on. Can't believe I just wasted 28 minutes talking about this team. <laughs> Speaking of the Patriots, it's amazing how that historically great defense, who played nobody, which I pointed out on the show last week, 
played an actual NFL offense yesterday and got smoked by the Ravens last night. 37-24, I think, was the final score or something like that. Let's see. Let's go to the... And I think it's safe to say, and I'll be the first one to admit it, I liked Lamar Jackson coming out of college. I thought he would probably be a second or third round pick. I thought he'd need a little seasoning, maybe a year to sit on the bench and learn. Um, But I liked him. Yeah, 37-20 was the final last night. Um, But um, I was wrong. (laughs) Because, I mean, he came in and played well last year. Well enough, anyway. Um, although we saw, look, if, 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 you, if you have the athletes on defense like San Diego had last year, I mean, they completely shut him down. Now, he's throwing the ball much better this year than he did last year. Although last night, I mean, 163 yards through the air, one touchdown. Uh, you know, he didn't make any mistakes, no interceptions. But last night was all about, I mean, he ran it well, 61 yards, two touchdowns. Mark Ingram was great, 115 yards on 15 carries. You know, I mean, they ran for 210 yards total as a team against the Patriots. You know, plus they had the the huge fumble by Edelman, right? They got returned for a 70-yard touchdown by, by Baltimore last night, Marlon Humphrey. So, but what's interesting... You got to give Baltimore credit. I'll give him credit for this. You know, rather than try to make Lamar Jackson something he's not, you could tell their whole offensive game plan revolves around to playing to his strengths, which is get him out. Even his throws, a lot of his throws, you get they get him out on the edge, bootlegs. You know, two read type of throws, right, where he doesn't have to sit back there and scan the field forever, right? Throw the tight ends a lot. They do take deep shots down the field with, you know, Marquise Brown every now and then. It's a very, very well-designed offense that suits his strengths. And that really is what coaching is all about. Rather than trying to jam a square peg in a round hole, right, figure out what your guys do well and then accentuate that. And the Ravens and Greg Roman, who's their offense coordinator, and John Harbaugh, their head coach, have done a tremendous job doing that with Lamar Jackson. So, uh, you know, a lot of people said the JV portion of the uh, Patriots season was over starting last night and uh, didn't go very well. They kind of got it handed to them. Now, look, this happens to the, the, the Patriots. Every, every team has a game like this, even the Patriots, right? I mean, the Patriots got it handed to them. I mean, the Lions beat the Patriots for crying out loud last year. Two years ago, they got smoked on the first game of the year by the Chiefs. I mean, it, it happens. It's in Baltimore. It's a Sunday night game. You know, doesn't mean the Patriots aren't good. But again, the overreaction to the way their defense was playing based on the fact that they didn't play against really one quality NFL quarterback in that whole time. I mean, you know, you would, you, you would think people that, that supposedly follow the sport for a living would know better. But of course not. Everybody's blinders on when it comes to the Patriots. So we'll see. Again, looks like their 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 cakewalk to the Super Bowl is uh, still very much in play. But you know what? Maybe Kansas City could come up with something because Kansas City's defense is pretty good. 
Um, you know, Emmanuel Ogba, who I'm glad the I'm glad the, the the Browns are so good they didn't need him. He's playing very well for them defensive end. Uh, Passanio, the kid out of Villanova, who AG and I talked about after the Senior Bowl two years ago, is really coming into his own defensive end. He's playing great. We know Chris Jones is great inside. Uh, this Tyler Wilson, the linebacker, is number 54, has played great for them all year. Um, Chiefs defense is pretty good, and they were really good yesterday against the Vikings in a game the Chiefs won on a walk-off field goal, last-second field goal. Um, but they did a nice job on Dalvin Cook, who shredded the lines 71 yards on 21 carries. Cousins was pretty good. I mean, 220 yards with three picks and no interceptions. I have to give him credit. He's playing well. See how long that holds up for. But, I mean, the Chiefs, yeah, Damian Wilson playing great. Reggie Ragland starting to play well for them. Anthony Hitchens is solid. I talked about Chris Jones. He's a stud. Um, I talked about Ogba. Passigno. I mean, that 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 defensive line is pretty good. Kalen Saunders, the rookie out of Western Illinois. They got Teron Matthew back there. Brashad Breeland's a solid pro. Juan Thornhill, the rookie out of Virginia, the safety is a good player. Pretty good defense. And look, they beat Minnesota again without Mahomes. They got a long 91-yard touchdown run by Damian Williams, who's a huge... Oh, really? Really? Thanks so much. You've got to be kidding me. I mean, that that's ESPN.com right there, folks. Sorry about that. Okay. God forbid I look at the box score. I have to get assaulted by some horseshit advertisement from AARP. Thank you very much. Ridiculous. God... I, can someone please come up with a website that's not ESPN.com that actually just gives you box scores that are simple and easy to read, that's not a complete assault to the senses with advertisements everywhere and all kinds of nonsense. I mean, look, I understand they have to put ads there. I get it. I'm not a dummy. But, I mean, jeez, so annoying. So, Vikings lost yesterday. Doesn't matter now because the lines are out. They're done. Packers lost yesterday to San Diego. San Diego's defense, I mean, this San Diego team, I mean, they are so Jekyll and Hyde. And again, I mean, they had that game where they lost to Jacksonville. They should have never lost. They had the ball 19 times on the one-yard line and couldn't score, and Gordon fumbled going in. Um, You know, they had the close loss to the Lions. Because they didn't have a kicker again. I mean, I, I I sound like a broken record. I heard an old podcast from last year where I talked about the same thing with the Chargers. They were eight and three, and they would at the time they could have been ten uh, ten and one if they would just had a kicker. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Now they got their kicker back yesterday. Made four field goals, Michael Penn Badgley. But uh, <laughs> you know. Rivers played well enough. Gordon had a nice game. Finally, he's starting to round into form after holding out the first four games of the year. He had 80 yards and 20 carries and two TDs. 
Rivers was 21 for 28 for 294 yards. And that defense clamped down on Aaron Rodgers. All right, I'm going to go to the box score, so we're probably going to get here some annoying ad at some point, so just get ready for it. I just I wanted to see if the Packers got any sacks on Rodgers. Let's see. Bosa had one and a half, and Ingram had one and a half. There you go. That's the three. But I didn't watch a ton of that game. But what I did see, I mean, they were they were they were harassing him a fair amount. Um and uh you know, they, look, Green Bay was was due for for a clinker a clunker somewhere along the, the, the way. Also. Um, but I also think Green Bay is also kind of playing over their heads some. Um, so that's what's, again, so galling about yesterday, right? If you're a Lions fan. I understand Green Bay 7-2 and two and everybody's just going to assume that it's going to be a cakewalk for them. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that that quickly. And the Lions do play them at home late in the year. Again, that game's going to probably be meaningless now, but it could have been not meaningless at the time. Again, I told you, Lions are 6-3 and three one year, didn't make the playoffs. That's one game worse than 7-2. and two. This idea that Green Bay is just going to roll the rest of the season is ridiculous. Chicago, Philly. Chicago lost again. They're 3-5. It's interesting. Chicago got rid of Jordan Howard for reasons known only to them. Uh, drafted another running back who's basically not even as good a version of Jordan Howard um, in uh, David Montgomery. I mean, he's okay. He's not bad. But, I mean, Jordan Howard is plenty fine. You need to use another draft pick on, uh, on that guy. And Jordan Howard, you know, had his revenge now that he's on Philly against the Bears yesterday. Trubisky was absolutely atrocious. I believe the Bears had 10 yards in the first half or something like that. I mean, it was... It was laughable. Trubisky, 10 for 21, 125 yards. And of that 125, I think he got a 40-yard gain coming out of the half to open up the third quarter. So he had about 80 yards the rest of the game. Awful. Montgomery, 14 carries, 40. He had two, you know, uh, one-yard touchdown runs. Big deal. 14 carries, 40 yards. Bears offense is wretched. Defense is still pretty good. But, you know, they're on the field all game because the offense never gets, you can't even get a first down. And Philly wasn't great yesterday, but they were good enough. You know, they got 146 yards on the ground, 19 for 82 from Howard and a touchdown. Miles Sanders gave him 10 for 42. There we go. Thanks. Thank you. Awesome. See, I'm on to you now, though. I was a little quicker on the draw here to stop to shut that down. So the Bears lost, Packers lost, Vikings lost. Um... I guess if you're a Lions fan and you live in New York, I guess the, the one you can take solace in the fact that I guess at least the Lions aren't the Jets who handed the Dolphins their first win of the year yesterday. And Sam Darnold is increasingly, week by week, looking like not even anything close to the answer. He's looking like the very worst version of himself that we saw at USC, the turnover-prone, reckless throws, completely outmatched, under siege, frazzled quarterback that we saw at times at USC. Uh, Adam Gase, who never understood the hire to begin with. Okay, let's see. I mean, let's let's hire a guy that was mediocre for the Dolphins. So we got to see this guy two times a year. We know who he is. He didn't do anything with the Dolphins. So let's, that's going to be our savior as our new head coach. 
I mean, I never understood the hire to begin with. His introductory press conference was was laughable. And it's just continued right from there. I mean, again, this is Rich Kotite 2.0. Jets are a joke. They are a joke. What a pathetic performance that was yesterday. I mean, seriously, if you're the Jets, you have nothing to hang your hats on. At least the Lions have Stafford. They've got Kenny Galladay. They've got Marvin Jones. They've got Darius Slay. They've got a couple of guys on this team that could easily play on other good teams. The Jets have nothing. They don't have anybody in the offensive line anybody wants. Quinn and Williams looked pretty good yesterday. I'll give him that, the rookie from Alabama. Okay. Jets secondary is laughably bad. Jamal Adams revealed himself to be thin-skinned millennial this week by getting all mad that the Jets dare take calls about him at the trading deadline and threw a little hissy fit in public. Very unseemly. And look, that's my guy. I mean, he's got my name for crying out loud. I loved him at LSU. And he's a good, tough, hard-nosed player. But, you know, when you're going to go and compare yourself to Tom Brady, he's like, oh, the Patriots don't take calls on Tom Brady. The the, the Bears don't take calls on... No, who, do you, who is the defensive player he used? I forget. But, like, oh, the Rams don't take calls on Aaron Donald. Dude, you're not Aaron Donald, and you're certainly not Tom Brady. You're a nice player in his second or third year in the league. Relax. The old Ralph Connor line when he asked Branch Ricky for a raise. We could lose 100 games with you. We could lose 100 games without you. Sorry, Jamal Adams. The Jets could go 1-7 with you, 1-7 without you. And they'd be dumb to not at least field offers from you. If some team like Dallas, who wanted you, was willing to give the Jets a first and, say, two second-round picks, and you're the Jets and you're going nowhere for a safety... You do it. I mean, unless you're going to be Ed Reed, which you're not, or Troy Palomalu, which you're not. You're not a ball-hawking, impact player, change-the-scope-of-the-game player. You're not. Again, he's a nice player. He's hard-nosed. He tackles. He plays well in the box. He's a try-hard guy. That's all well and good. But he's not a game-changer. He's not a game-wrecker. So the Jets are just an absolute mess. The very exact opposite of the Jets are the Steelers. Steelers somehow, despite all that's gone on this year, with no more Le'Veon Bell, no more Antonio Brown, no more Ben Roethlisberger, yesterday no James Conner, who replaced Le'Veon Bell last year, right? They Mason Rudolph missed the game, so they started their third-string quarterback, Delvin Hodges. They won that game. Granted, it was against a bad team, but they still won the game. And they're 4-4. Four and four. Now, admit, it, it, it did take an Adam Vinatieri missed 43-yard field goal yesterday from to win that game. But they still won the game. And they're 4-4. Four and Because four, that's, a, that's a, a well-run year in. Look, I understand the Steelers have had some, some drama lately. But guess what? They get rid of these guys. I mean, they, 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 they hang in there for as long as they can. As long as the guys are productive and still playing. Until they can't. And they were playing, I mean, is James Conner as good as Le'Veon Bell? Uh, he's maybe just a tick not as good. He had a great year for them last year. He's having a nice year again this year after a slow start. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster is not Antonio Brown, but he's pretty good. James Washington's starting to come around now for them. Who played at Oklahoma State with the quarterback, Mason Rudolph. I would expect 
that connection to start to improve as the season goes on. Devin Bush, the rookie linebacker to Michigan, has been great all year. We saw the Edmonds brothers wanted safety, wanted running back for them yesterday, play well. Jalen Samuels, who, you know, everybody said coming out of NC State, well, I don't know, is he a tight end? Is he a running back? Is he a fullback? He's just a good football player. And, and, and the Steelers drafted him, what, in the fifth round? And he chipped in with like 10 catches for 75 yards yesterday out of the backfield. It's a smart organization. It's a miracle that that team is 4-4. Four and four. All right, we'll take a short break. We'll be back with some more right after this. We're back here on another edition of Jamal About Sports. Um, so, the Mets. Let's get to the Mets, shall we? Today, they introduced Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran as their new manager. Um, I am 100% not on board with this. As you all know, I wanted Girardi. Um, we all know why they didn't hire Girardi. Brody Van Wagen basically, you know, gave a bunch of gobbledygook nonsense today as to why, you know, it's all about Beltran's positives. Uh-huh. Three years, $3 million. Told you why. This is why the Mets hired Beltran. Three reasons. One, he'll work cheap because he doesn't need the money. He made $230 million, literally $230 million playing in his playing career. So you don't need the money. So I'll work cheap. Three years, three million. A million dollars a year for a manager. Today's game is laughable. Any good manager makes three times that. That's number one. I'm, I'll bet you Girardi's getting three million a year with the Phillies. They haven't announced it yet, but I'll bet you that's what he's getting. That's number one. He, he come cheap. Criteria number one for the Wilpons. Work cheap. Number two, the Wilpons are such idiots that they think because he's a name that that's going to satisfy the fan base. And sadly, based on Met Twitterverse, it seems to be the case. And then number three, he's never managed before anywhere. He's never coached before anywhere. He has zero experience as a coach or manager. But because he had some ceremonial title with the Yankees as a special advisor to Brian Cashman, somehow now he's qualified to be a major league manager for a team that's supposed to win now. And so because of that, Brody Van Wagenen can tell him what to do. And this is a guy, remember, that when he was here in New York with the Mets, hated every second of his existence here, was a sourpuss constantly, wanted to be left alone, did not want to be a leader, even though he was the highest played player on a team. And by the way, that's okay. Like That doesn't mean he's a bad guy. All counts, he's a really good guy. And it doesn't mean he's soft or anything like that. I'm not saying any of those things. But what I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily mean he should be your manager, does it? It's not a great endorsement for the guy to be the manager in New York City where it's under, you're under a constant microscope and every single move you get is dissected and second-guessed. It's ridiculous that this guy's the manager. If they weren't going to go with Girardi, which they obviously they didn't, Eddie Perez, to me, would have been the guy. I said the reasons why last week. He's actually been a coach in baseball. He's got the pedigree. He would have been the guy. I, you know what? I would have even been okay with Luis Rojas, the Mets quality control guy, who's managed in the minor leagues and paid his dues at least. At least he's filled out a lineup card before. It's absurd. It's just absurd. And, of course, you know, they're trying to make this, trying to put a, you know, a pretty bow around this. 
And you know, and oh, Belch, I've grown and what? I'm maybe he has. Again, why do the Mets always have to be the uh, the experimental lab here? It's absurd. And again, as usual, what it also comes down to is why, as Met fans, would we ever give the Will Ponds the benefit of the doubt? And certainly, Brody Van Wagenen's first year was not exactly an encouraging one. I mean, that Robinson Cano trade was awful. Now. It'll be very interesting to see because Ramza Cano has no business on this team. And if he is going to be on the team, he has no business ever playing. But I already heard today, expect to see a lot of Jeff McNeil at third base, which is basically code for, hey, Mets fans, there's no way we're going to sign Anthony Rendon, the best third baseman in baseball next to Nolan Arenado, who plays for your division rival, the current World Series champions, the Washington Nationals. So you could win in two ways. You would hurt your division rival and improve your team immeasurably because Rendon's a great hitter and a great fielder. And he's got the the, the right temperament to play in New York because he's just a laid-back guy and nothing bothers him. And with outsized personalities like Alonzo and like uh, McNeil and like Thor, assuming he's still here, and, and the energy and enthusiasm Brandon Nimmo, assuming he's still here, you'd be fine. Be fine. Mets won't even consider it. Garrett Cole's a free agent. There's no way the Mets are going to consider that. Strasburg just opted out of his contract with the Nationals. No way the Mets will even consider that. Expect the same nonsense that you get every year. They're going to you know, work around the fringes, throw bad money at guys like Jed Lowry, who you give $10 million a year to, where instead of giving $25 million to an, absolute, to an actual difference maker and an actual star. So November 4th, 2019, I'm on record as saying I absolutely despise the move of the Mets hiring Carlos Beltran as their manager. Absolutely hate it. Hate it. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. As always, check us out on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, website is jamalaboutsports.com. Facebook page, jamalaboutsports. Twitter account, at jamalaboutsportnos. Thanks for listening. Till next week, peace out.